Do it like center net. Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get it going. This hour is underway. It is Thursday, October 5th. Wes, Pat, and the Sports Drive's underway. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450. Or explore the full line of safes at Calgary Lock and Safe. We're available on Apple and Spotify, Google and Amazon. Of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Downtown on a uh, significant day for the uh, downtown core of our city. Uh, Event Center, Rivers District is what they're calling it, is going through. As earlier on this Thursday, the formal agreements were signed or the announcement that the formal agreements were signed um, became public. So here's what we know without getting too um, minutia and, uh, you know, hurting our small brains. The (laughs) preliminary construction will begin before the end of this calendar year. So they will start to reroute. Uh, utilities and start to do the preliminary kind of prep work for big time construction by the end of the year. Major construction, like I believe they call it superstructure and things like that, uh, will start next year in 2024. And I don't know. I know there's still a lot of people who are skeptical. There's still a lot of, yeah, wake me when there's shovels in the ground and all that type of stuff. But this is the most progress we've ever made when it comes to this happening. We have formal agreements involving the Stampede Board, the City of Calgary, the Province of Alberta, and CSEC, Calgary Sports and Entertainment. The four parties that needed to be in agreement with signatures on dotted lines on official documents for this to get done. We have never had a timeline. We have never had a, hey, this is going to start now and this is hopefully going to be constructed then. We've never been this far down the road. That's exciting. And yeah, I, I think I'm 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 pretty proud of our city. I think 2027 is going to be a big year for the city of Calgary. We are almost at the end of 2023. That's not that far off. Like the near future, I think looks really bright for Calgarians. And I'll, I'll I'll tell you why. It's not just because we've got a new building coming. It's not just because the Flames will have a new place to play, and maybe you too will come. They can stay away for all I care. But I, I was just, I was just <laughs> yes, thinking, like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, don't build the arena. We don't want you to. Uh, no, I, I, it's not just because big concerts will come here. It's not just because the Flames will have a better place and Mackenzie Weger will be happy. Those are all good things, but we've got a brown, brand new crown jewel in the middle of our city that is going to be the centerpiece of a massive new district that I think will transform the downtown core. And right around the same time, a brand new district involving a brand new event center will be completed and opening. So will a brand new transit line that I fully believe is going to transform my city that will change the way people get around the city that will modernize the city by a significant degree. Like we'll have the green lines first stage done and a brand new event center open in 2027. And that will have like a real 
interchange. Uh, we'll have a C train line meeting with another C train line and a station where you can get like it. Th- these are big things. I, I just, I think the city's moving in a really good direction. I think this is a really, really big day. I'm excited for the way our city's going to look in three or four years. I'm excited for how much more world class our city is going to be. I, this is this is where I am born, raised, and will be. I think my entire life. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I just turned 39. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm leaving Calgary anytime soon. I am immensely proud of what this city has accomplished, what this city has become. And you're not going to ever get anything from me that says this isn't one of the best places to live in the world. But it can also be better, and you can always improve a city. And I think with the green line having been green lit and construction underway on it and a proposed finish date of 2027 and a brand new inner city downtown district with a crown jewel event center also being targeted for late 2026 or early 2027. These are good things. I think this is a massive, massive win and a massive day for the city. Yeah. You covered it off so well there that uh, I'll just echo you for a second, but kind of leave it at that. It, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that I've been to every arena in the National Hockey You've League. You've got everyone off your bucket yeah, list. Yeah, hey, I've been to every arena in the National. It's only golf courses on my bucket list now, and that's not such a bad problem to have either. But the Saddledome's sentimental. You know, it, it's a very cool building that we're all going to look back on and, and maybe cherish some of the moments we had there, whether they were as spectators or, or media or whatever. But when you go to all these other ranks across the NHL, you do see what the progress in that space looks like. You do see what Calgary has been missing on these world-class venues. You can't call the Saddledome a world-class event center. And so this news today is just really exciting for the city. I I grew up just outside Calgary. This is always going to be my home too. And, you know, this is transformational type stuff for the downtown core in our city. And I think, I think that's just so neat. You know, you think of Ken King today and all the efforts that he put in, the late Ken King, to secure a new event center downtown. You think of the late Warren Connell, the former CEO of the Stampede and and all his work behind the scenes to get this thing to the finish line. Like today is a day that so many people can be proud of. And I think in, in 2027 to see that brand new shiny rink, whether it's hosting games or concerts or anything, but you too, <laughs> I just think it's going to be here, really here. cool. Uh, Greg and varsity says he likes you too. That's fine. So Greg in varsity is entitled to his opinion. He's just <laughs> incorrect on this one. I don't know why you two became the, uh, the whipping boy of this segment, but um, somebody says, can you explain the news for those of us who haven't heard the agreements have been formalized and that's never happened before. That's a big deal. Like the four and, and you know, whenever you talk about this stuff, you get the text line blows up with a lot of people who are just excited like you and I, and then it does it does get political on our text line or on Twitter. This this group of people dislikes the premier. This group of people dislikes the mayor. I and and I have no interest in going down either of those roads because this isn't political to me. This is good for our city. And the fact that 
you've got some different ideologies that came together on an agreement on this thing and have started the actual process of something good for the city of Calgary, that that gives me a lot of, uh, that heartens me. That's something that is, a lot of times that is not happening these days. There's a lot of division, and here's a, here is a group of different leaning people that all came together and, and signed on on this thing to make it happen. Like that to me is a big deal. And you can, if you dislike the mayor, you can keep disliking the mayor. And if you dislike the premier, you can have at her. I don't, I honestly don't care in this conversation. I just am really, really happy, happy that this is happening. And, and we wouldn't be here if it weren't for provincial money and what the provincial government has done. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for city money and what the municipal government has done. We wouldn't be here if CSEC hasn't, uh, didn't, like, we wouldn't be here if everybody didn't step up and meet in the middle. And that makes me really happy because everybody has stepped up and met in the middle for something that, again, is going to transform one of the, the two most important urban centers in this province. That, to me, is a good thing. Yeah, and, and listen, there's going to be some divisiveness on this issue. There's going to be people who don't like what Party X paid or, or you know, don't like the deal from whatever standpoint. And, and, and that's absolutely fine. I, I hope in four years when this event center is open that it's a place that all calgarians regardless of what their political leanings at the time were regardless of what they thought of the specifics of of the contract between the different parties i i hope and i certainly believe that this event center is going to be a place that calgarians can be proud of and a place that calgarians are going to want to be that they're going to want to attend whether it be games or concerts or, or the variety of things. They and so, um, you know, world-class cities have world-class venues and our city's world-class. And this is a world-class venue that our city needs. Uh, and, and, and we can just leave it at that. I think it's uh, I think the city is moving in a great direction. I really do. Um, and I think a new event center, you can tell me all the studies you want about how, it doesn't do this, and it, it the, the economic impact is that, and it's not as good as people say. I personally believe that having something like that has an impact that is more than you can quantify with straight dollars and cents. I think it has an impact that reaches across the city. I think it stems people coming here to live. I think it stems people moving into the downtown core. I think it encourages tourism. I just, I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to have this built. And the same is true about the, uh, the new transit line. I'm just happy that our city is moving in a progressive direction. And what I mean by that is I happy, I'm happy that the city is growing and they, we are spending money on things that are going to make living in Calgary better for the 1.5 million people who live in Calgary. You can't tell me the green line isn't going to make things better for Calgarians because it is. And the event center and building a new district and it's, it'll make things better for a lot of Calgarians. I just, I think it's a good day and that's, I'll leave it at that. 
Yeah, I I absolutely echo you. I uh, I'm a proud Calgarian today because I I do think this is awesome news. Um, and uh, this <laughs> Matt and Cochran says, "Hey, guy, it's a beautiful day." That's a that's a U two song that I I would turn off if it Sneaky. came off. Matt. Matt, Matt and Cochran, you stay Matt, in Cochran, Matt. Matt. If, if that is stuck in my head, Matt, on the drive home, you and I are are not going to be on good terms. I mean, listen, everyone from Cochran is a friend of mine, but if it gets stuck in my head, Matt, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> uh, this says, is there an approved design? Not yet. That is coming. Um, and so, yeah. And I, I know that not everybody's for it, and that's fine. I don't think that there's a wrong opinion, but for me, I'm super, super excited about that. Uh, I, I think it's good for the city, and I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what the city looks like in about four years' time. Because uh, I think it'll, I think in four years, we'll still recognize the city of Calgary, but it'll be a better city of Calgary. And, and for me, uh, I'm all for that. Uh, I, I w- I've been waiting for the. Does the street have a name text? Oh, there, to it is. There, it there. Is. There, there it is. There it is. You guys, you're not making this easy on us. You, okay, this one's this one's mine. But I think when you see when you see the new arena, it'll be even better than the real thing. Well, you'd certainly hope that it wouldn't just open and people would be thinking they still haven't found what they're looking for. Yeah, we got to move on from this because. I really just don't enjoy their music. I just, I really, really don't. Um, okay, so that's the arena side of things. Couple of, couple of things. Friday's edition of Flames Talk as part of the Eric Francis Hour. Premier Danielle Smith will join us on Friday. And uh, as part of the big show on Friday morning, uh, Mayor Gondek will join the boys on the big show. Uh, if you're listening live, that'll be at 7 o'clock or on the podcast as part of Hour 2. So Mayor Gondek on the Hour 2 or second hour of the big show Friday and Premier Smith on the second hour of Flames Talk on Friday. Let's dive in on the ice because i don't want to read any more political text messages so and no more you two texts no no more of those either <laughs> uh two players we want to focus on let's start with cole schwint because he sure does look like the number four center is his to lose right like he sure does look like this is his spot and he's going to be the guy to start the year as the four c now kelly in copperfield did text in a little earlier as we've been talking, said, do you think they could add somebody on waivers? I know that you believe that could still be in the mix, but short of them adding a player on the waiver wire, it sure does feel like Cole Schwint is the guy who's going to start the year as the number four C. And for you, that's that's not something that you necessarily had uh, penciled or even scribbled in to start training camp, eh? No, not, not at all. And credit to Cole Schwint for putting himself on the radar it doesn't it doesn't matter if i was on or if he was on my radar or not he put himself on the radar with craig conroy and with ryan huska and you know the rest of the brass at, at the saddle dome and and i'm really keen to see what he can do with the opportunity faceoffs have been an issue in the preseason he's certainly going to be under the microscope tomorrow night in vancouver final auditions for these Calgary Flames to see what kind of night he can have at the faceoff circle. It, it fourth line center seems like kind of a, okay, whatever, you know, it's the fourth line center. The, 
everything I've heard about the Flames switch from man to man to a zone defensive strategy is that and believe me we've heard a lot yeah and we've heard a lot about it it puts a ton of pressure on your centers the the centers are going to be so important in the defensive zone one flames player not a center told me you know this system wouldn't work for every team you need to have really good depth up the middle well in elias lindholm and Michael Backlund, you've got two guys who have done quite well for themselves in Selkie Trophy voting. Yep. In Nazem Kadri, you have a terrific two-way center. I'm sure, I, I actually don't know the answer to this and probably should. I'm sure he's a guy who's received Selkie Trophy votes at some points in his career. And so you have a really solid start up the middle, but there is going to be pressure on Cole Schwint. He's played three National Hockey League games to prove that he can carry his weight as fourth line center. Otherwise, you're either looking at a waiver claim, you're looking at calling someone else up to give them a shot, or probably the most likely scenario is you're looking at moving either Adam Ruzicka or Dylan Dubé off the second line yep. to strengthen yourself up the middle. But Cole Schwint has absolutely earned this first opportunity. I'm curious to see what he does with it. This was Ryan Huska when asked about Cole on Thursday morning. The one thing that, that Cole has going for himself is size. I think that's important for us. I, I think when we look at that line that we're trying to form, um, he has some of the characteristics that we would want in, in a guy in that position. So we're, we're still making decisions at this point. So Vancouver is going to be a great test for him again. Um, the key things are, you know, your face-offs. You want to make sure you're reliable. You can be trusted when you're on the ice in, in certain situations. So um, he's going to continue to get an opportunity. Would it be fair to call a surprise so far during this camp? Uh, not, not really for us. I mean, you know, you see what he can do. I mean, last year, I think there were stretches with the Wranglers where he played well, and there were stretches where he was trying to find himself a little bit. But that is no different than some of the players that we had here. Um, they're trying to find their game a little bit. And I think he came in this year putting on a little bit of size. I think he he was in a position where um, the work he put in over the summer, I, I think he felt comfortable and confident that he would be able to compete for a job. And I think he knows where he's at. Um, so it's, again, um, we still have some decisions to make, so he needs to really push. So that was Ryan Huska. And uh, this was Cole Schwint on Thursday morning as well when he spoke to us and is Danny's story is out at uh, on the post media website yeah absolutely so this uh, so so DA Danny Austin asked him a question about hey you were part of like maybe the biggest trade in franchise history if not the biggest recent trade in franchise history where Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger who their total values of their con- uh, contracts end up being, you know, the gross domestic product of many countries in the world. Um, and this was Cole Schwint asked about that, that, you know, you are part of this deal, but, you know, now you want to prove that you were an important part of this deal too. I just wonder about Cole Schwint's motivation after you hear this. Obviously, when you, you get that phone call, it's, it's you know, it's an honor to go to any organization that, that wants you there. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it, it was exciting to kind of hear um, that they were excited. And, um, 
you know, like I had said earlier, I think there's a lot of work to be done for, for myself to finally be able to say that I was a big piece in that trade. You know, you look at the names that, that were in it. Um, you know, Matthew Chuck is a great player. Hubie's unbelievable, and Weegsy's just the same. And, you know, for me, it's I'm trying to live up to that that spotlight and, and become a player that uh, that people can look back on and say, okay, yeah, Calgary did win that deal um, because of, you know, the young guy that was that was in there. But um, I got a lot of work to do, and I'm excited for it, and I'm looking forward to it. I just I like that too, and and how can you not? That's that's good. That's like okay, this guy is motivated too. So you add a little motivation to that conversation, and that just adds to a little bit of okay. Let's see what this guy's all about. And if it doesn't work, Connor Zary could be an option. Waiver wire could be an option. You mentioned Rizichko or Dubé. They could go down that road. Dryden Hunt's played center before. Maybe they can go down that road. They have options, but it looks like to start, it's going to be Schwint as the four seat. Yeah, and I, I even go back to a couple of years ago where Walker Dewar was the surprise story of training camp and didn't actually crack the opening night roster, but made his NHL debut later in that same season, became more of a fixture last season. You know, Cole Schwint's only 22 years old. And so for an organization that does not pass the NHL level, have a ton of center depth like that organizationally, there's not a ton of prospects other than Connor's area. And I guess now Cole Schwint that you're, you're really excited about what the future looks like at center. I, I think this is, this is just really good news. Like this guy no matter what happens in the next couple of weeks, he's knocking right on the door. And, and I think you needed a young center to step up, and now they need Cole Schwint to run with it. The other player we wanted to talk about just quickly is Sam Honzek, who will go back to Vancouver of the Western Hockey League. He'll rejoin his 2023 draft mate, Jaden Lipinski, on the Giants. And... Going into camp, I asked the question a few times, like, why not Sam Honzek? He's he's a first-round pick, top 16 pick in one of the deepest drafts in decades. Why couldn't he be a guy that makes an impression? Why couldn't he be a guy that, that maybe pushes for time in the NHL? Well, he didn't. That didn't happen. It was, I think, what training camp showed us, even going back to Penn Ticton and the Young Stars Classic, is that at 18, he's not ready. It, and year one as an NHL drafted prospect, he's not ready. And so now that's okay. That that's that's it's what's supposed to happen when you're 18. Most times it does happen. Yeah. So why not him? Well, the reason being, Pat, why not him? Because he's 18 and he's not ready. And he'll go back to Vancouver. He'll have a great year in the Western Hockey League. And this year is huge huge for young human beings in terms of how they develop and you know what physically happens in a pro athlete's body a hockey player's body at this time of year or this time of their their development rather it is huge it's why guys go from scoring even non-high NHL prospects go from scoring 45 points in the Western League as a 19-year-old to 97 points as a 20-year-old because they're because of the the actual physical jumps they make. So I don't think it's out of the question that Hanzek goes back to the Western League, has a great year in Vancouver, and in a year's time, we're talking about a much different camp from him. Yeah, I mean, you you have to feel... If you're Sam Hanzek and you just got selected number 16 overall in a deep draft... You're often 
in the WHL, the best player on the ice in a given game, you know, it's an eye opener to show up to an NHL camp and, and sort of see where you fit with the best players in the world. And, and Sam Honzek struggled in the past couple of weeks to make his market camp. We're going to hear in a second from Ryan Huska, who, you know, basically said that he wasn't assertive enough with his game, or, or at least that's my assessment of what we're going to hear from the coach. This will go down as an underwhelming camp for Sam Honzek because he wasn't ready for it to be something different. And that's not a knock on him. That's where he is at 18 years old. And I think now, no matter what he's doing in the WHL this season, it's always going to be in the back of his head what the competition looks like at the next level. And we've seen that be a really important fuel for a lot of guys over the years. And everything you hear about Sam Honzek, every conversation you have, this guy does not lack motivation. He's going to use this in the right way, but he knows now what it looks like. Here's Ryan Huska, the head coach, when you asked him about, okay, now what? What's the lesson that Sam can use from his first NHL training camp? Next time he comes in, um, there is no dipping your toe in the water. And I think uh, for a young guy coming in, he gets a chance to sit on the bench and practice with uh, our players. He gets a chance to sit on the bench and watch some of the players from the other side. Um, and I think over the course of his year, we want him to come back knowing that he's a guy that is capable of playing and not just being a body, a guy that um, you know takes charge, I guess, when he's here next time. So you know, we're, we're, we'll look for that out of him when he comes back next time. And is that sort of standard with I the think guys so. first. Yeah. I think so. And they come in sometimes. It takes a real special person for an 18-year-old to come in with swagger and I can do all this and no problem. There's been a couple here in the past that have been able to do that, uh, but it takes a special person to be able to do that. So I think there's a little bit of, I'm just going to feel myself out a little bit at times here with him. And I think when we see him come back next year, he'll be a different player. Pat, I don't want to pick a fight here, but... I remember that Ryan Huska answer starting with him telling me I just asked a good question. Did that? I have no proof of that. Did that get edited out somehow? No proof of that. He did did say that. (laughs) Just let the record show. He did say that. Uh, Hey, let's see what Sam Honzek does in the Western League as he goes back to Vancouver now and, and see if he can light it up even more. And they're excited to get him back. He. You know, he's likely going to be the captain there. He's likely going to be the first round or sorry, first line line center center there. You know, the flames project him as a left winger, but anytime one of your prospects is being trusted to play center, you're giddy about it. And so this is not, this is not a bad news development for the Calgary flames. Sam Honzek was never going to be Connor Bedard coming in and saying, Hey, I'm ready to go right now. This is this is how it was going to play out, and, and I think this can be really good experience for the young man. He's Wes. I'm Pat. Flames Talk's underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. 
Steinberg along with you. And let's say hello to our Pacific Division insider. Jonathan Davis joins us to go inside hockey right now. Lots happening in the Pacific Division and uh, some fun other topics to hit with JD at the end. Hello, sir. How are we doing? We're doing great. Nice uh, warm day out here in SoCal, you know, enjoying uh, some time before the real stuff begins. Just right around the corner. We are uh, right up on the start of the regular season. Um, well, let's let's start in SoCal because uh, that's where most of the NHL and Pacific Division news is emanating from right now, starting with the Anaheim Ducks. So they have their two high-profile RFAs unsigned the last time we spoke. In the week since we've spoken, both Trevor Zegras and now on this Thursday, Jamie Drysdale have signed. Let's start with Drysdale. He signs a three-year deal at $2.3 million, so they go bridge with Drysdale. They get a very, very nice number. Your reaction to that extension? Yeah, look, I, I'm very, very happy for Jamie's, Jamie Drysdale. And, and, Pat, look, I think the Ducks you know, may have wanted to go longer I don't think Drysdale did. I think he was very happy with a bridge deal. Uh, it's a workable number. For, you know, look, Anaheim's got plenty of casting. So, you know, the dollars aren't going to be aren't going to be the issue. And, you know, look, for Drysdale, you know what? It's He's got two more seasons, as Elliot Friedman has well documented before. You know, he can become arbitration eligible. So, you know, look, the next time that he negotiates a deal, he'll be in a much better position. Uh, and if everything goes the way... It should for Jamie Drysdale. You know, his next contract should be something special. But, look, at the end of the day, they need this guy on the ice, on this roster. Uh, not that, look, this is a playoff team by any stretch, but as this team is trying to, you know, to build towards something, to bring people back into the building, Drysdale a very key component. So is Zegras. He also signed a three-year deal, higher number at 5.75. That one seemed destined to be a bridge from the start, though. Yeah, and I think, you know, really for, for Anaheim, I think Anaheim wanted a bridge just as much maybe as, as Trevor Zegers may have uh, at the end of the day. I, I really think that, you know, this is a more of a prove-it type contract and not from the dollars, Pat, so much. as I think, that, you know, look, there, there are definitely some concerns with Zegers just becoming the mature NHL player. And if he can, you know, but let's say stop enjoying some of the off-ice exploits of, you know, what he's doing on social media. Not that it's terrible. I mean, but he's, he's become a, a star in a very short period of time. And so I think this is a, it's a good opportunity for both. But again, you know, a guy who is so important to this team, so talented, uh, a guy that definitely brings people into the building for sure. And I think he's really going to learn and benefit a lot from Greg Cronin. Uh, and, and especially when Alex Kalorn gets back to this team, uh, that, that's a guy that, you know, the Zebras, I think, would have an opportunity to play with and can learn both on and off the ice run. Uh, and then in Los Angeles, the Kings, uh, they get dealt some suspension news. It's a four-game suspension for Arthur Kaliev, two in the preseason, two in the regular season for that kneeing incident. Uh, tell us about Kaliev's suspension. Well, I mean, you know, I watched the incident a couple of times. I, I didn't, I don't know. I, maybe I, I'm missing something. Maybe my eyes aren't as good as, as they should be. I, I don't think it was terribly egregious, but, you know, anytime it's a knee on knee, uh, 
accidental or not, and the player doesn't return, it's going to have an impact. I think more, you know, for for Arthur Kelly, a, a guy who is trying to get out of the gate quickly. I mean, he, he you know, he's trying to find chemistry with, with Kevin Fiala and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, any games that he misses, uh, especially that are out of his control, uh, you know, hurt for him. So uh, it's only two, yes, but, you know, this is the guy that, uh, you know, was trying to make an op- you know, trying to come out strong right out of the gate. It's just he's just going to have to wait till at least game three. Uh, and then tell us about uh, before we get into some of the other stuff from around the league. We saw the uh, we saw the Connor connection reunited on uh, and Flames fans saw it quite a bit. Uh, Connor Brown, Connor McDavid in Edmonton. Connor Brown's an interesting player for the Oilers this year, isn't he? Well, sure is. Can you know absolutely lengthen the lineup uh, if he can you know play with the guy that he uh, you know his former teammate uh, in Erie in Connor McDavid, but. Yeah, look, a guy that has scored 20 goals. So if you've got Connor Brown playing with Connor McDavid and, and uh, what, Evander Kane, and then what, it's, it's uh, Hyman, Dreisaitl, and um, Hyman, Dreisaitl, and R&H on that second line, you know, it, it just, it really will help to lengthen that team and, and just can take a lot of pressure. But, hey, look, you know, Connor McDavid makes anybody better uh but yeah, if Connor Brown, who's coming back from the injury, can regain any bit of that form, and you guys got a taste of it last night, uh, this will bode well for Edmonton. Um, we're talking to Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider. He's also big on the wagering side of things. He's always doing his research when it comes to just that little extra edge you might be able to get on any given night when it comes to putting some shekels down on an NHL game or a few NHL games. And uh, you did the research. If you go over to your Twitter at West coast hockey, you dove in on back to backs and the different, uh, the different, I guess, numbers of back to backs and how it affects all 32 teams. What did we find? Well, I think, you know, when you look inside the Pacific Division, I mean, you know, look, the, the, the West teams, because of the travel that they do, don't play as many back-to-backs as the teams in the East. Like, New Jersey plays 15 back-to-backs this year. The most that any West team will play is 11. I think I found, what I found interesting with the Edmonton Oilers is that they have 10 back-to-backs, but five come in March and April combined. So, you know, I would rather play my back-to-backs earlier in the year. You know, Seattle's only got seven this year. Edmonton was a team that, that, that thrived in the back-to-backs. Uh, you know, they were 13-5 and five overall. Uh, you know, they were 7-2 and two on the front end and 6-3 and three on the back end last year. So, you know, with that lineup, they, they were able to take advantage of it. But I, I, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to me with Edmonton to have, you know, as I said, it's, it's five back-to-backs in the latter stages of the year. It's interesting to see what wear and tear you know, you had a team like Anaheim that was 2-20 and 20 last year in back-to-backs. And that shouldn't be surprising, you know, more so on the back end. They were 1-10, and 10, Pat, in both spots. And I could see it definitely on the back end where, you know, your roster is not as deep as others. So it doesn't surprise me. But I just think, you know, look, it's just something to pay attention to. And even if you're not wagering on the game, uh, it's more – it's just as much as information to just get a sense of, you know, where your teams are at, you know, how, how they deal with these situations. You know, the other thing I'll be, you know, I track throughout the year is, 
teams that not only play back-to-backs, but three games and four nights with back-to-back on the road. You know, that's just something, it's, it's not even, like I said, it's not just from a wagering standpoint, you know, especially doing ice cap, you know, throughout the year and, and, and coming on with you. It's just another tool to help understand maybe why your team may be struggling or, you know, you can see, you know, you know you've got some teams that really you know, love these back-to-backs. They, you know, they really excel in them. You know, the Boston Bruins for years, Pat, have been a team that loves to play day games at the Garden or at the TD, the TD Center. Uh, their numbers in day games are really good. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are fun little things that, that I, you know, that I've, you know, that I like to track uh, for a wide variety of, of reasons, not, not just from, not just from the betting angle. Um, okay. Maybe this is from a betting angle. Maybe it's not, but JD, how many Canadian teams are making the playoffs this year? I'm going to go with four. I mean, I think, you know, on average, you know, we've had, there's only been, I think, one year in the last 10 where we haven't even had one Canadian team make the playoffs. And I'm not counting the COVID years when, you know, we had, you know, funky playoff systems. Um, but look, you know, Edmonton, Toronto, Calgary are three that, that I will I will pen in. Uh, and then I think we're going to get one of Vancouver, Ottawa, or Winnipeg that will also make it. You uh, So you, you've got Calgary penned in, hey? I do. I do. I, 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 I do like the Flames. I, I really do. I think, they, I think they will be a wild card team this year. Okay. Um, I, I don't know, Pat. I think I caught you off guard with that one. No, not at all. I, you know, it's funny. I was just, we, were talking, we were talking before bringing you on just to say, what, like, what is, what is the consensus from, you know, in your neck of the woods and, and the pretty tight-knit SoCal hockey reporters group, like, what what is the consensus on the flames from people that you talk to? Well, I think just I, I think the consensus overall in the Pacific Division is that really outside of I think you know Edmonton and Vegas, you could make a case for you know pretty much everybody else other than Anaheim or, or San Jose. And you know, Pat, the other thing to think about um, as I as I was just kind of putting together the Canadian team, it's not just that. The other thing that I documented. You know, and I've got it on my Twitter feed as well, is that, you know, on average, we have about five new teams that make the playoffs from the previous year. So, I, you know, to me, there's no reason why, you know, like I, I'll, I'll take Winnipeg out, and I'm going to take Minnesota out this year. Okay. Um, and I'm looking at one of – I'm looking at either St. Louis or potentially Nashville to make it, but – I do find it very interesting that we get five. We pretty much had we've had at least five new teams every year in the last, I think, ten or so. Other than I think one year we may have had four, but it's usually been five, six, seven. Uh, it's pretty remarkable how much of a turnover. So, uh, you know, I, I I do think that I do think the Calgary Flames get it. And finally, last year, Pacific Division wins the Stanley Cup. The Las Vegas Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, they win the they win the Stanley Cup. They win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history, and the Pacific Division has a Cup champion for the first time since Los Angeles. Does the Pacific Division have a Cup champion in them again this year? Yeah, I don't know if my connection's working here, Pat, but I think uh, it, it, it uh, sounds like Edmonton to me. I don't know. 
Uh, now we yeah. have to. Yeah, we have, yeah. yeah that'll uh, have a great day. Have a great day. You really, you really think that they've got what it? T- and I'm not. I'm not. They're a good team. I worry about yeah. that back end. I like Stuart Skinner still needs to prove it in the playoffs. This is the year for yeah. you that the Oilers get over. Hey. I, I got to be right eventually, don't I? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Look, I, I, you can make a case. You know, look, I, I could make a better, probably make a better case for for Colorado or Dallas. But I look, I still think you know the one thing that I keep drawing going back to is I, I I go back to the you know the two leaders on this team or the two best players on this team, and and I just think that there is something that they. They've come into into camp this year, uh, and I think we may have talked about it before. But you know, the idea that you know they had the, those captain skates that Connor organized back in September. They had full participation. When you get your leader setting the tone in September, I, I think you know this team. You got to lose before you can win, and I and I think that what happened to them against Vegas last season, I think was a, a you know, true learning experience for them. You saw the pain and you saw how hard, you know, you, you get the sense of how hard they worked in the off season and how committed they are, you know, by coming in the first week of September as a group to start skating. I, I just, look, anytime you got Connor and Leon, you got a shot. Um, it, 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 it wouldn't shock me, but I, I understand the arguments against it. Yes. Stuart Skinner, has to be significantly better. Uh, there's there's more question marks. I agree with Edmonton than others, but yeah. I don't know. I, I I I I'm drinking the Kool Aid right now, and uh, you know I, I hope there's no bleaching. <laughs> well, we'll see how we'll we'll see how it all plays out. I'm I got accused of drinking the Kool Aid that. Because there's a new event center coming to Calgary, so we can both uh, cheers to Kool Aid. So uh, it, it bottoms up, my friend. We'll uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks, JD. All right, a pleasure. And next week, actually, you know, one thing we will talk about is Pierre Lutubois gets to return to Winnipeg. That's very, right. Very quickly. Yeah, gets that out of the way real quick. That's good. Uh, okay, yeah. we'll talk then. Thanks, JD. All right, have a great night. You too, man. Jonathan Davis is our Pacific Division insider. Inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. Pretty uh, presumptuous, isn't it, that JD picks the Oilers to win the Cup and then acts like you're going to have them on again next week? <laughs> good point. <laughs> Will we revoke his privilege? We might just play U2 for that half hour. Somebody was uh, like, oh, Pat, you sound like you're drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm, what Kool-Aid? I'm happy that we're getting an arena. I'm happy that the green line's getting built. I think our city's moving in the right direction. So I just responded to him like, yeah, pump that Kool-Aid into my veins then. Let's, let's rock. Tomorrow night, the preseason ends. And after post-game, you can have something a little stronger than Kool-Aid. You know, Kool-Aid with a little, uh, little spike to it isn't that bad. Yeah, actually. that's a good call. No sugar in Kool-Aid. Really, at least the Kool-Aid that I buy, the little squirt bottles, the if you do the grape Kool-Aid, like the grape Kool-Aid, whatever, beverage uh, enhancer you can get at any grocery store and you pop it into a thing of club soda. It's like you got a grape crush. It's delicious. And no sugar. Lots of aspartame, which is, <laughs> I, I think is great for you. 
but uh, no sugar in it anyway. Oh, that's uh, all you can ask. That's really all you can ask for. Hey, you got uh, horrible diet tips to wrap things up this hour. Uh, Wes <laughs> Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Thanks to Taylor. Thanks to Cam, our producers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1,450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.